It's officially signing day 2022. So how does this Utes class stack up? And would Utah be in this position if not for a few events? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown YouTube first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have continued to subscribe and support the show. Just crossed 750 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you guys again for making us your first listen every single day. Today's episode of Lockdown News is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. That's LinkedIn.com slash College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern in Inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined for today's show by Joshua Newman, writer at the Salt Lake Tribune. And Josh, we're talking about this Utah recruiting class. It feels like Utah would be in a vastly different place if not for some crazy events playing out. And by that, I mean Oregon State completing a comeback that resulted in them winning a game in which they didn't throw the ball in most of the third and all of the fourth quarter, Utah gets in the Pac-12 championship game. Hard to beat a good team twice. The two years in a row, Utah has basically proved it's not. They then win the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, you literally had players decommitting before all this crazy cycle happened. And then you have some guys coming back, too. It's unbelievable that Utah's in the position to add all this four-star talent that they're going to be adding later today. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, I, I remember I was sitting in the press box at Colorado and you're seeing what's going on in Corvallis, right? Oregon's up 31-10. And I am literally sitting there in the middle of the third quarter of the Utah game. Like, I'm starting to scratch out a list of which Utah players, like, might opt out of a bowl game. Yeah. Because let's be honest, if Utah was playing in the Vegas Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, guys would be opting out. That's just yep. the nature of the sport right now. And then, you know, something crazy happened. You know, Oregon muffed the punt. Oregon State cashes that in. Oregon State again. They get a fourth down stop. All, all all of these things happen. So by the time we get to, I believe it was like six minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Utah-Colorado game, Oregon State had beaten Oregon and UCLA had beaten Cal the day before on Friday. And, you know, Utah wins. And then we're looking at the Apple Cup. And obviously the Apple Cup goes Utah's way with Washington beating Washington State. We know what Utah did in the Pac-12 championship game. And just, as you said, JT, just a, a, just a crazy series of events so many things had to happen for Utah to be in this position. And a lot of it was uh, out of its control, you know, quite frankly. Again, they needed three separate um, three separate results uh, during Thanksgiving weekend. They got all that. They beat Colorado. They beat USC. And now all of a sudden they're going to the Rose Bowl. So, you know, on the heels of the Pac-12 championship game, you now have all of this recruiting momentum, right? In the days since that December 2nd game, right? Um, Spencer Fano commits, you know, yep. they flip Hunter Clay from Stanford, uh, CJ Blocker commits, Smith Snowden commits. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at this top 20, top, top 25 class. I mean, it's clearly headed to a place where this is going to be the highest rated class in program history. It's just a matter of how high now. 
you mentioned some of those individual players too. And we just talked about crazy sequence of events. If David Shaw doesn't step down, I don't think Hunter Clay does sure. leave Stanford despite the position sure. the program is in. So it really is crazy. But when you're talking about just these elite in-state players, so often they have left the state too. So that's what makes it so unbelievable for this Utah team that you get Smith Snowden to come in. It seems like it's going to be, when you look at just the transition, you went from Jalen Johnson to Clark Phillips. Now you go from Clark Phillips to Smith Snowden. And I should also include CJ Blocker in that. It's an unbelievable transition there. You lose a guy in Braden Daniels, going to add Spencer Fano, and you're going to add Caleb Lomu as well, along the defensive line, a group for Utah that really was up and down throughout the season, kind of got going on late in the season. You bring in a guy in Hunter Clegg. So it does feel like this is a Utah class, as we mentioned, uh, Malcolm Mitchell, another guy too, coming in for this Utah group that so many of these players, because we've seen what Utah has done with, with the three-star talents so often before, you got these guys coming in with four stars now, and it really feels like it's just going to continue to elevate the program to new heights because all of these guys, I think, are going to have a really good chance to not just be dominant at Utah, but put themselves in position to be set up for the NFL draft, which I think is why you come to Utah now, a chance to win and get developed into a player that can be drafted to the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, specifically in the cornerbacks room with Sharif Shah. I mean, look, you're losing yeah. Clark Phillips. That's obviously a a huge loss. He did, he did so much for the program at that position. Um, so, you know, you lose Clark Phillips, but, eh, and look again, who who knows what happens with the transfer portal. We don't want to put anything in stone in yeah. mid December things happen, but mm-hmm. if we want to try to project this thing, you have um, Zamaya Vaughn is coming back. You've got potentially JT Broughton coming back. He's a bit of an older guy. So you've got two veteran guys on the outside. Um, you know, can Smith Snowden, you know, step in here immediately and uh, and fight for playing time. I don't know. People seem to think that. I'm always a little wary of um, of freshmen coming in and, you know, having the ability to step in and play, you know, major, significant, like, two deep yeah. level game reps. So, you know, can Smith Snowden step in? You know, can C.J. Blocker step in? We don't know. But, you know, it, it's still going to be a veteran room between Brockton and Vaughn Yep. And and Fabian Marks has not played a ton this year. He's also in that room. Um, you know, what does the nickel position look like, right? Um, Malone Mata LA has already transferred out. Yep. Um, you know, you've seen uh Sione Vaki kind of move down from his safety position. Uh he has played some nickel when you know when Utah opts to go um with three cornerbacks. So, you know, these are these are good problems to have, right? Like you lose Clark mm-hmm. Phillips. But you have a you know a pretty a pretty you know loaded room between the veterans and you know and a couple of freshmen that you think could be something. So, you know, from a from more of a big picture recruiting standpoint, you know, when I first got here in 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 late 2019, the Clark's Phillip uh, excuse me the Clark Phillips commitment was a huge deal. You know he yeah. you know he had already committed to Ohio State. He was a top 50 national recruit. Uh, Jeff Hadley, right, the cornerbacks coach at Ohio State at the time, he leaves to take the head coaching job at Boston College. You know, Sharif Shah, to his credit, continued to do his job and continued that relationship. And when it was time, you know, for for Clark to really make up his mind once Hadley left, Utah got that commitment. And I remember that being a really big deal because, as you said, um, four-star kid, top 50 national recruit, Utah was not getting those types of, of kids. Utah's recruiting, you know, the the meat and potatoes of it is still the three-star kids, the under-recruited, find them, you know, coach them up, turn them into players. But now you are starting to see you're getting into more four-star homes. More kids are willing to talk to you. You're scoring some of those kids. Again, 
Spencer Fano, Hunter Clegg, guys like that. And that, you know, you know, part of that is that is directly related to the fact that you have not gone to one Rose Bowl, but you have now gone to two Rose Bowls. Not a you can, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scally and Sharif Shah and Freddie Whittingham, they can go into these homes now and they can say, look, this is what we're doing. We are contending, you know, pretty much every year now, you know, four out of the last five, they've been to the Pac-12 championship game. We are contending every year to go to the Pac-12 championship game and our guys, you know, not all of our guys are getting drafted, but a lot of our guys are at least getting a chance in the NFL, right? You saw what Devin Lloyd did right yes. as a first-round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a light year last year for Utah in terms of guys getting drafted, but you had another six, seven, eight guys, you know, sign undrafted free agent deals, you know, mm-hmm. go to training camp, get a shot at the NFL. This is what Utah can do now walking into homes. This is what they can show kids, parents, high school coaches, this is the level that we're operating at. It is an extremely high level, and we're going to continue to talk about the evolution of this Utah football program and the talent they've been able to bring in through recruiting these last few years in a moment. But first, I want to take an opportunity to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Make sure you guys head over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on LinkedIn to spread the profile that you're hiring so you guys can connect with all the great and ready-to-work candidates out there on LinkedIn Jobs. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on cans with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Josh, before we went to break, you were mentioning how Tree Shaw did a really good job staying with and staying on Clark Phillips. Utah did a really good job last year staying with, staying on Lander Barton. I mean, we talked about we talked about it a little bit before, but those guys usually do go to the other programs. When Jim Harbaugh shows up to watch you play, as he did with Lander Barton last year, it's usually a pretty good <laughs> sign. Like, hey, he's going there. And when Spencer Fano, his final four comes down to Oregon, an offensive line factory in the past, Clemson, a lot, they obviously they've done a lot of good things, won national yep. championships too. And oh, I just blanked on the other destination he was uh, that was in his final. Four, but Oregon, another, I believe. it was Oregon, and then Michigan was the one. Yes, so then Michigan. So once again, Utah was able to beat out Harbaugh basically in all of this. It's crazy that Utah has gotten to this point, and it wasn't the case when you had very first started this team. Yes, they got one four-star guy like that, but it really does just feel like that ability to not to repeat and put guys into the NFL has really led to the success. But how do you think Coach Winningham has also adapted? Because I do feel like he's been willing to adapt when a lot of college coaches haven't, and they now find themselves in different positions and a lot of cases without jobs. And it's why he's one of the longer-tenured head coaches and having a lot of success compared to a guy like Kurt Ferentz at Iowa, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, one thing about Kyle Whittingham is that, and you know, you said it, he's been willing to adapt to the times. And, and that's not just recruiting. I mean, yeah, two things come to mind. I mean, you know, two things come to mind when when Kyle when Kyle Whittingham was a player in the uh, late '70s and yeah. um, and the early '80s, right? He played for BYU. He had a cup of coffee in the NFL during one of the strike seasons. Mental health was not a thing in in sports, right? Mm-hmm. He grew up in a time where like mental health was not a concern. Like nobody cared. Like dust yourself off, go play. It doesn't matter. We are living in a time now. The last, you know three, four, five, six years where mental health is now kind of at the forefront. And I've written about this before. 
you know, yeah. Jalen Dixon had had some personal issues going mm-hmm. on in his life, right? He had a very productive 2018 season, 2019 season, had to step away from the program. He wanted to come back for 2021. He sat down with Kyle Whittingham. They hashed this thing out. And, you know, they let him, you know, they let him come back because Kyle understood that it was bigger than football. There was some personal stuff going on. They got him some help. And Jalen Dixon has, you know, has flourished. Um, yes, yes. You know, Tavion Thomas is no longer with the program, mm-hmm. but it was revealed that during that whole thing during the season, like he was having some personal issues after his aunt's death. Kyle Whittingham did everything he could to help that kid mm-hmm. try to work through, you know, try to work through his grief and work through some personal stuff. You know, stuff going on at home in Dayton. Kyle did everything he could to try to help Tavion. Yep. Um, you know, from a from a football standpoint, I mean, Kyle is a a big analytics guy. You know, he leans pretty heavily on the analytics. And then uh, again, that is kind of you know moving on. You know, uh, not moving on, adapting to the times. Right? Analytics is a big part of sports. It's a big part of you know um, the decision making process on the sideline. Yep. Right? Whether to go on fourth and short or whether to kick the ball uh, or whether to, you know, do you want to punt on fourth and three and plus territory, you know, so he's been willing to adapt there. And then, you know, the recruiting stuff, you know, all, everything I just said kind of leads me back to your point. Yeah. He he's been willing to adapt, right. He is 63 years old, uh, just turned 63. That's he's a little old just in terms of like what the average college football head coach is. And, you know, he's adapting to the NIL, uh, Utah has, you know, kind of been behind in terms of some NIL stuff, but like Kyle yep. has worked hard to, you know, get his program on board and get some of the, you know, get some of the money people to, you know, to try to help out because this is, this is where recruiting yes. is, right? A big part of recruiting. It's not everything, but a huge part of recruiting is now essentially players asking, what can you do for me? You know, I'm sure, you know, Recruits see what what Cam Rising is doing. Cam Rising has a lot of NIL stuff on his plate. He yep. is making a a significant sum of money that is not lost on recruits. And again, Kyle and Morgan Scally and Andy Ludwig and Shreve Shot, everybody is trying to get on board with this new world. But the thing, you know, the thing with Utah is, at least this is what I've heard in the past. I mean, yes, NIL is a part of the process, but Utah, to an extent, you, you, you know, again, you are still chasing the three-star guy, the under-recruited guy, and that guy is not looking for all the money, all the yep. NIL stuff. That guy is still looking for, an, you know, just an opportunity to, to play. So, you know, while you're going to keep chasing the four-star guys and there's going to be, you know, an NIL stuff that's going to be prevalent, you still have this ability to go into the underrated recruits home and sell them on a vision and sell them on an opportunity to just play college football. And win. That's the other thing, too, that youth football is able to yes. do now. They're able to win at a high level. We talked about it earlier. You win last year. Okay, and you can win it one year. Nope, one, two years in a row. That's not a fluke anymore. It's position this program is in. So if you're a high-level recruit now, you're looking at Utah. I can go there and win. I can go there and play early, and I can be developed and play, become an NFL talent. It's literally Clark Phillips's 
three checklists he wanted to accomplish when he came to Utah and he is and now he's opted out of it too and Josh shifting to the Rose Bowl for a moment it does feel like that's a huge loss for Utah between losing Clark Phillips and losing Dalton Kincaid but we know Dalton was already nicked up in the Rose Bowl excuse me in the Pac-12 championship game and Utah and he still made some big catches but we saw Thomas Thomas Yasmin some of the other guys step up we're unsure about the availability of Devon Vele still but hopefully he gets to that point where he is able to go in the Rose Bowl just because he was retur- just returned and punts in the previous one but when you look at this utah football team as it pertains to the rose bowl penn state being down their top db and their top pass catcher too how do you feel like that matchup changes because it does feel like it changes but but since both teams are down such significant contributors i still feel like utah's got a really good chance in this one i think so i mean this is a more manageable uh matchup than we saw last year against ohio state right which you know which had yeah. cj stroud and jack jackson smith and jigba and just the dynamic offense right with tavion henderson um you know, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of an equal footing type of situation in terms of like physicality, you know, up front, both teams want to establish the run, both teams play physical um, at the line of scrimmage. Um, but, you know, from a, from a Utah standpoint, I mean, yeah, like you were already without Brand Keithy, but yep. the thing with, you know, the thing with not having Brand Keithy is you, you, you were able to survive that because you still had a, a legitimate pass catching options in Dalton Kincaid. Okay. Thomas Yasmin is not Dalton Kincaid, right? Thomas no. Yasmin is, is mm-hmm. not going to go catch you eight balls. Yeah. He's probably not going to score two touchdowns, but you know, he's capable, right? He can put yeah. his hand in the ground and hit somebody, you know, you can lean on him for, he, he will catch a few balls. I don't think he's going to be catching again. He's not going to be catching eight, 10, 12 balls, but no. he, he, he has grown into, you know, a capable, reliable tight end for Cam Rising. Um, of course, you know, we all know that Utah wants to go 12 personnel, 13 personnel. You're not going to see much of that. You know, we're not going to see, you know, Yasmin and, you know, Munir McLean out there, you know, for 40 reps going 12 personnel. You know, we're just not going to see that. Um, you know, of course, some more of the onus here falls on, you know, guys like Devon Vele, right, assuming he's healthy. Um, you know, can Money Parks play a significant role? Can Makai Cole play a significant role so Rising does not have to lean so heavily on his tight end, right? So he doesn't have to lean heavily on Yasmin. Um, you know, Jaquindon Jackson is coming off back-to-back 100-yard yes. games against Colorado, against USC in the Pac-12 championship game. So if you can establish the run, it takes it takes a lot of the pressure off Rising. Um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, yeah, you know, we've talked about Clark Phillips here, uh, you know, did a ton. He is terrific in man coverage, terrific in man coverage. I mean, he made Jordan Addison – yeah, essentially disappear in the Pac-12 championship game. So, you know, this is the situation they're in. You know, no blame, no shame for Clark Phillips opting out of the Rose Bowl. You know, um, you know a projected first-round pick, uh, a little dinged up, right? He, he missed the Colorado game, got yep. himself healthy enough to play against USC in Vegas. But, you know, it's his time to, you know, worry about number one, right? Again, a, a projected first-round pick. He will have a combine invite. He wants to get ready for the draft. No problem. So, again, you're looking at a situation where it's JT Brockton and it is uh, Zamaya Vaughn on the other side. Zamaya Vaughn has really, really played well, Mm -hmm. you know, across the season, but specifically from like mid-October on. I I really thought Zamaya Vaughn has played very, very well. Um, And then, you know, again, we'll see what, you know, we'll see what Sharif wants to do with the nickel. You know, do you drop Sione Vaki down into the nickel? Do you want to go with your traditional 4-2-5 where it's, you know, two corners and, and, and five defensive backs. Um, again, 
uh, it's a problem here, right, without Clark mm-hmm. Phillips, but these are good Big problems time. to have because you have guys that you believe can step in. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how those guys are able to step in in such a big opportunity for this Utah football team. Speaking of big opportunities, we're going to come back in a second and talk about Utah's basketball and the opportunity they have with the recent success they've had on the season in a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Simply Safe. At Locked On Utes, we believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give you yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Utes listeners 40% off a new security system but don't put this off because this is a great opportunity for you guys to cap cash in on simply safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by u.s news and world report a third year in a row in an emergency 24 7 professional monitoring agency use fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get a high priority police response once again that 24 7 professional monitoring service costs under a dollar a day less than half the price of a traditional home security system so make sure you guys don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system get 40 percent off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college there's no safe like simply safe also i want to talk to you guys about our friends at uccu uccu is offering a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high apy of 4.00 percent plus you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate guys you know interest rates and inflation are on the rise as if we had noticed that's why uccu is here to help with that 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%, and they have a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. This is an incredible opportunity for people who want to build their savings with a UCCU savings certificate. You may simply make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard saving account. So make sure you guys visit uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today or stop by a UCCU branch. UCCU, love where you bank. So, Josh, we're recording this on Friday, so Utah is yet to play BYU in basketball. But regardless of the outcome of that game, and it's obviously a rivalry game, so still a big game, it does feel like the season is already so different from last year, where you didn't have the signature win yet to this point. You were close to beating really good teams. I look back at Oregon, UCLA from a season ago, and you came up just short in those ones. And now for Utah this year, after they already were able to beat Arizona, now let's say they do lose to BYU even, or maybe they get a huge win. It still feels like this program is in a vastly different <clears throat> position a year ago. And for me, I've talked a lot about the mix of young talent mixing with the veterans, too, guys like Kaba versus a Brandon Carlson and a Marco Anthony. And it feels like this team does have a chance to be successful and outperform a lot of people's expectations in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, maybe. You know, uh, the things that are going on now, I, I really did not project, you know, these things to be going on. You know, beating Arizona and then off that win, you know, you have to go to Washington State, which is a, a tough place to play up there in um, – in Pullman, right? They pull that game out in overtime. So, um, as you said, without seeing the result of BYU, as we record this, right, they are nine and two. Okay. They've got two quadrant one, quadrant one wins yep. in Arizona and Washington state. They don't have a bad loss. Um, you know, Brandon Carlson is playing at an all pac 12 level. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe Madsen has really kind of, uh, expanded his game, right? He was, a he was a big spot up shooter, you know, last year, but he he's doing a good job of being more aggressive and getting to the rim, uh, being more physical. He's a willing defender now. So you've got Carlson and Madsen. I think, you know, Brandon Carlson has been the best player on that team, but I think Raleigh Worcester has been the most valuable player on that team. Uh, he's just a, you know, he's a steady hand at the point for Craig Smith. Yes. Uh, he's filling up a stat sheet. He's been near a mm-hmm. triple-double a couple of times. He's yeah. been 
you know, it, it, it's interesting. He's playing, you know, 30, you know, 32, 34 minutes a game and he's finishing these games. Like he's not blowing you away, but he's giving you like, you know, nine points, eight, eight rebounds, six assists, just very, very solid, not turning the ball over. And, you know, we're in this position now where Utah is now popping up in these like way too early NCAA tournament projections. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see where that goes again. You know, you're playing, they will have played BYU by the time this comes out. They will play TCU on Wednesday at Vivint Arena. You know, those are two huge opportunities. I mean, BYU at the moment is a quad three opportunity, but assuming BYU kind of gets itself together and plays well in the WCC, that'll turn into a quadrant two. Uh, TCU had a tough start, but that, you know, that's a quadrant two, potentially moving up to a quadrant one. So, you know, if Utah, if Utah somehow gets both of these games, against BYU and TCU, the complexion of what is possible down the road completely changes. If they get both these games, you can start really trying to map out, okay, what do they need to do in the Pac-12 to really get that NCAA tournament at large berth? I mean, you know, from a metric standpoint, a loss against BYU is like not, you know, not great. Again, quadrant three opportunity. You don't want to lose those quad three games but it's a rivalry game and, you know, the old cliche of, you know, you throw the records out the window, you know, that applies here. Um, you know, t- and TCU, I mean, this is, again, TCU is an interesting thing to me. You know, I follow, I follow the scheduling pretty closely. They scheduled TCU for a home and home last year. You know, they played in, um, in Fort Worth, but nobody could have predicted what TCU would have turned into, right? When mm-hmm. they scheduled that game, TCU was kind of this middling big 12 program, um that didn't have a ton of direction but they go to the ncaa tournament last year they return um mike miles who was an all big 12 guy uh damian ball is coming off suspension and oh you know tcu is now this kind of niche pick to win to win the big 12 so it's 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 a pretty significant opportunity for utah right they're going to play this game at you know at vivin you know Mm -hmm. they're turning it into a showcase type deal so you know, again, if Utah gets both these games, you know, what is possible becomes very different. If you're 11 and two, and then you open Pac-12 play or reopen Pac-12 play against Cal, which might be the worst power five team in the country and Stanford, which is also a winnable game. So things are possible. You know, if you can get, you know, if they get BYU and TCU, even a split would be, you know, would be beneficial. But if you get both of them, things are, you know, new, new things become possible. Very much so. So it's a very good position that Utah basketball is in with signing day that Utah football had today. They are in an outstanding position as well. Josh, we appreciate you joining us on the show. What are a couple of things you have coming up with the Salt Lake Tribune? Yeah, I'm going to have, uh, you know, my own signing day stuff coming out on Wednesday. And then, you know, again, I'll have coverage of, uh, of Utah TCU on, on Wednesday. And then, you know, in between all that, we're, you know, we're thinking Rose Bowl. We're talking mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. Um, I've got the mail. Uh, I've got the Utes mailbag coming um, every Wednesday. I've got the tribute newsletter with, you know, with fresh stuff on Friday. And then, you know, again, sparse in between, we'll have Rose Bowl coverage. I'm on the ground in Pasadena starting yeah. on December 28th. We will have everything covered wall to wall from Pasadena starting December 28th. 
It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all plays out over an exciting close to December and a very exciting beginning of 2023 for the youth. So, Josh, thank you again for joining us. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports Today, the take of the day, the biggest game recaps. It's all available for you on Locked On Sports Today. Thank you again for making Locked On Youth your first listen every day, and we'll see you tomorrow.